Hey there, you're with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. This week I've got Phil Mountrose with me. As pioneers and innovators in spiritual growth and healing, Phil and his wife Jane Mountrose are holistic coaches, energy healers, spiritual mentors, and authors of numerous books. Their latest book came out this year, in fact. It's called The Loving Power of Your Soul, a guidebook for realizing your true potential. In this book, Phil and Jane lay out six ways to connect with your soul, including their own soul-centering and apex process, how to use your four intelligences, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for soulfully optimizing your life, the bright and dark sides of mindfulness and meditation, and how it relates to soulfulness. How to use holistic EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, and spiritual kinesiology, the Mountrose's own highly tested and soul-based energy healing, for clearing blocks to the soul, clarity, and much more. So sit tight. Here we go. All right, Phil, welcome to Disembodied Podcast. It's great to have you. Great to be here, Evie. So you're quite uh, a prolific writer when it comes to helping people deal with their emotions and their ailments. You have kind of a holistic approach to healing. And it looks like your books go all the way back to 2001. You had a book on intuitive techniques for getting through to your soul. And then you had an Awaken to Your True Purpose book. How did you start out doing that and how did it evolve? Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say I, I, I work with my partner and wife, Jane Montrose. So most of the things have sometimes been peculiar and up and done together, which can be an interesting experience in itself. But we're very, although quite different people, very like-minded and have a, a similar kind of spiritual viewpoint, although we're very different people and different approaches at times. So it started off, Evie, uh, I was very interested growing up uh, younger for spiritual growth and awakenings. And part of my own sort of shocks to my own ego and my own disillusionment and my, my foibles and weaknesses, I was going to be a film director, went to UCLA film school and did a film that was just terrible and aired in front of everyone, kind of a belly flop, started realizing I was not who I thought I was. Uh, kind of the hubris of a young man. And, um, and that sent me, even though immediately into sort of a depression afterwards, looking more intensely again, which I had earlier in my life for spiritual awareness and awakening, took me in all kinds of areas, uh, Buddhism, Japanese tea ceremonies, different psychology, joined a spiritual group, Gurdjieff Ospensky, which you may have heard of Gurdjieff, some people probably of your podcast know that, uh, spiritual leaders in the 1900s, decided I'd join a group. I, you know, I figured I needed help. And it was, you know, I was kind of looking, everything wasn't quite right. And yet this was the closest I could find. And some of the things were very compelling. And I said, I need help. And I want to grow further, which makes sense. And a lot of us do that. And I met my wife, Jane, in that group. And it was very enlightening. And, and that book, Awakened to Your True Purpose, uh, which is sort of based in part on the Enneagram and further on the Michael Channel teachings, uh, sort of came out of that experience with the Gurdjieff group, uh, Spensky, a Spensky group. 
but we we were very uh, awakened in the sense that this group uh, had some problems with it, too, especially, and this may sound familiar to you and your listeners, one is especially is following the leader, which is good to a point, but it can be disempowering, the guru idea, and it can be very cultic. Uh, you know, so you're kind of putting all your power and trust, sort of like the giant parent, the giant all-knowing person. And even if the person has a lot of integrity, you still have to awaken for yourself. And of course, as most leaders are, they they're human and they have weaknesses, which usually come around. You know, power, money, sex. You know, the the familiar trio. And so we were thinking, if he could awaken, you know, why can't we? You know, why do we have to be waiting on him, you know, to be christened into awakendom. And, and that left the group. And, and the other part, Evie, was one of the tenets of, of the Aspensky teaching, which I think is a little distorted in the way it played out was very problematic. And that was namely the non-expression of negative emotions. So observing negative emotions is still a very powerful, useful, spiritual thing to do. But the non-expression became very inhibiting, repressive, and people were sort of on pins and needles in this group. So eventually, we, we finally left the group. You get shamed and ostracized, right, when you lead a group. Let me just ask a quick question. Do you mean it's sort of a passive-aggressive response, the non-aggressive how did you say that again? Well, in this group, which is part of Ospensky's teachings in the 1900s, which were very brilliant, one of the key things is remembering yourself, awakening. The other thing is the non-expression of negative emotions. So it was adopted by this group as a tenet that you were not to express negative emotions. I see. Okay. So, you know, if you were angry at me, you couldn't say it, or you'd be, you know, you'd say you're expressing negative emotions now, Evie. Now, we don't want to blatantly just go on a rage tear and, and be indiscriminate, and, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, endorse that. But when you live your life and saying, you know, oh, wow, you know, maybe I'm being a little fearful here, or I'm being too critical, or I'm being, ang-, you know, you're on eggshells and pins and needles, and people were very repressive. So that was a key experience to lead us to our awakenings, which is the next part of the story I, I was going to share here. Yeah, go ahead. I was just, um, I, I thought right away, it sounded like a very passive aggressive. Yeah, it, it led to a lot of <laughs> passive aggressive behavior. Yes, I would agree yeah. to that, you know, for sure. So we realized that part of awakening was not just, quote, remembering yourself, the Gurdjieff idea of, of being present now in the moment, which is still what I believe understand awakening is, is. but it was also healing, healing, which had to do with your full range of emotions and emotions are indicators and they're in your body as well. So how do you do that? You know, a lot of people like myself, my wife and people say, I have no inner child. I mean, I'm fine. I can deal with, there's nothing there, you know? And until you're conscious at a certain part in your spiritual journey, uh, you might think or feel that. I mean, some people are very wounded and traumatized and realize that they have a problem functioning, yes. But for a lot of people, quote, normal people, they think, well, you know, it's just part of life and some of it is and some of it you outgrow. But there are things that are dealt with traumas, which are basic key components of awakening and spiritual growth, which it's interesting. We all have those, you know, it's just when you start to look at the human race, virtually everyone has traumas. Everyone has issues when they're very vulnerable, have no defenses 
from specific people, usually parents and authority figures, which are very wounding and hurtful, that until you uh, address them, which is also part of waking up, uh, they lie dormant and affect your life and limit you. It's an interesting uh, thing to realize. And that sent us on an intense journey. My wife, Jane, and I, we did all kinds of things after the Gurdjieff group, channeling, and we still do those kind of things. And hypnotherapy, we learned that. Energy healing, EFT, we developed our own techniques and wrote books on that, early adopters, holistic EFT. Uh, healing from the soul, soul centering. We, we have a healing with the soul uh, called spiritual kinesiology in our new book, The Loving Power of Your Soul is how to connect with your soul. And more and more, and we did individual sessions and train people and um, have a lot of offerings and on a website with many th ways for people to understand these ideas and techniques and strategies. So maybe we can go through these a little bit because you have... You have holistic EFT, emotional freedom technique. Is that different from the regular EFT? Let me make a distinction. So if people don't know what EFT is, it's an energy healing tapping. Many millions of people do now. We'll start in the 1990s tapping on meridian pressure points, which are based on Eastern medicine, which balance the body. And it was found... Uh, by Roger Callahan in 1990, and then his, his student, Gary Craig, who put it into an EFT kind of formula, that by tapping these key pressure points and saying specific phrases related to what was the blockage, often emotional and even physical, could be spiritual, uh, ama sometimes amazing healings can occur. So that's EFT, quote, standard EFT. And there are now a lot of varieties and there's very easy access and it's great people can use it. It's sometimes just the tapping and tapping those seven key acupressure points can do amazing things in itself. And it's a wonderful strategy for dealing with stress and sometimes relieving things. But to go deeper, and we're down talking, getting the more spiritual things and those woundings, generally you're here to find them out. Your soul is here. Part of your soul's plan is to understand what that is. So it's not by accident that you had, you know, blank traumas, you know, your parents abused you, you know, count the 10, 15 major ways and the thousands of variations on them, you know, there are sort of access points, portals, very uncomfortable and challenging and difficult, but they give you compassion and empathy and a lot of qualities because if, you know, if you had never had any traumas, if I had never had any traumas, how could we do this podcast? You know, we could be talking from this very lofty place. I mean, I guess if we were angels and stuff, maybe we'd be different, but that's kind of a different different way of looking at it. But if, as humans, at least spiritual beings having human experiences now, apparently that's part of that's built into the experience of having these challenging experiences. So by learning these and the holistic EFT, going back to your question now, kind of, I know I've done a few circles here. I hope I'm, uh, I hope people can follow the roundabout rant here. The holistic EFT is sort of our branding of, of, of EFT, and we were early adopters. We're writing one of the first books on EFT, Getting Through to Your Emotions with EFT, it was called. And what we had were getting through techniques, which are ways to pinpoint the underlying issue. And we had a few tapping points, the balance, the left and right brain and the heart, to get to the center, the core of the issue. So that's how we, we, we refer to holistic EFT versus sometimes what are called tapping scripts, 
like hypnotherapy scripts. And those are useful as models, but as relying to them, it becomes more like very mechanical kind of band-aids of saying certain things, which can actually be have an, a counterproductive uh, effect. In other words, you could be saying sort of a scripted, you know, even though I feel this pain, I, I love and accept myself, even though I don't like uh, this, this pain because of what my parents did to myself, I love and accept myself. I'm kind of giving some EFT affirmation phrases. If you just start saying this script and it doesn't quite fit like a lock and key because it's all very individualistic, it's kind of following something. So it, it doesn't quite work and it doesn't give the discoveries and deepening that you can do with holistic EFT. And, and there are many people who do EFT very wonderfully and holistically. And, and, I, and I want to acknowledge that too. So what about the spiritual kinesiology? Is that kind of your own thing that you've come up with as well? That is something we developed on our, on our own. And uh, do you want me to give a kind of a brief lineage of that, how that, that. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about it. Yeah. Okay. So remember I mentioned we studied hypnotherapy. We sort of developed our own versions of holistic hypnotherapy of, of having kind of our own ways of kind of going deeper with that. And we saw a man do something called hypnokinesiology at a conference in 1997. Carl Carpenter is no longer alive. And it was just extraordinary, kind of like EFT. It's some extraordinary healings. Things People had these major traumas. They could hardly talk about it. They'd be crying about it. And you do this hypnokinesiology. And a few minutes later, it was like it happened to someone else. You know, it was like completely neutralized. And it seemed like a sleight of hand. Like, now what happened there? I don't, I don't get it. So what he was using, and that's one of the things we, we adopt as sort of a, as a, one of the ways of kind of be doing spiritual kinesiology, it's not as direct as using an affirmation when you're addressing the issue. So you address the issue, which can be touching a point as an anchor on your body. So for instance, if you are, if you, you know, if you remember being criticized by your parent and you cringe and you feel it in your stomach, say, if you put your hand on your stomach, if you're doing it on yourself, and then you say, with the hypnokinesiology, you'd say a phrase, you'd say, it's an Emile Couillet phrase, the fr famous French uh, psychologist, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. Every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. So you say that, and then you touch another area of your body, which could be your knee, and you're holding that, and then you remove your hand from the first area, the wounded area, the uncomfortable area, in this case, the fear of criticism. And then you just hang out with the affirmation. And he did it by touching a person on two places, just live, but we found it actually easier to have the person do it on themselves so you don't have to touch someone else or be in person with them. And that would be it. So just by saying this affirmation, it's called a reframe in, in NLP. So what we did, uh, Evie, is we also learned something called soul centering from some healers around 1990, which is a direct way of connecting with the soul. It can be done very quickly. And there's different ways to do that. Actually being in that sort of everyday and every way puts you in this uplifted state. But by connecting with your soul, which I can go into in a, in a minute or two, kind of briefly demo how that is, by doing that and bringing that energy into the wound, the hurt, the criticism of your parent, you name it. And the, that's even more powerful 
because then you get the insight and direction of being soulfully present in this moment. And that's when really extraordinary things happen. We've had by doing this for 20 years, things that would, you know, are just unbelievable. In fact, as I watch them, I mean, people's chronic physical problems, hurts, wounds, major things from years can sometimes go away really rapidly because you understand it at this very deep core level. Not always, but it's, it's quite uh, extraordinary. Okay. Yeah. I would love to talk about that actually. Maybe give us an example. So what, what did you want me to, to, to do? Give an example. Yeah. Maybe give us an example of how that would work. Okay. Um, You could use me or you can. Okay. Why don't we just do something in the moment? You mean, yeah. Yeah. That, that's sometimes most revealing and the people listening to it, if they want, and especially if they're not driving, if they're in a space where they can do it, they could even have a kind of an, uh, an experience of this themselves. So uh, we start, we can start with something kind of minor, anything. It doesn't have to be a major lifelong core issue, but something's you know, just a kind of, something's maybe a little annoying, disturbing, frustrating, which is, what is your uh, uh, Okay, concern? well- We'll deal with my fear of mountain road driving. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of phobia, which EFT also can be good for address, fear of mountain phobia. Now we can just sort of somewhat test the results because you're not on the, you're not going to drive right now to test it. So, but we, we can still, by thinking about it, you'll get some reaction, you know, and again, these things can be very, sometimes they're kind of superficial you know, like fear of a spider, it might not really mean much, or it could mean other underlying things. It could be past life issues. It could be quite a few things, you know, it depends. Uh, we don't know, you know, and, and some okay. of it may or may, we may not get that far into it, but just to give you a, a context. Okay. So fear of a mountain road. So we start with a, a measurement of you remembering a time you were fearful on a mountain road. You, you remember that time? Yeah, I can remember many times. <laughs> Pick one because we want to test one. Okay. So you're on that mountain road, right? Yes. And you're feeling fearful. And we measured the fear one out of 10. How, how high would it be? 10 would be total. One would be very little. I would say it was like a nine. So when you kind of go back into that moment now, you're at a nine. Yes. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And we kind of have to approximate it just by remembering. But that's still a good indicator because these are the way traumas and problems are because they're in our body and we remember them and we're thrown off, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So it's nine. Okay. So that's one part. And where do you feel that? Uh, is it fear? Did you say? Yeah. And I tend to get it in my shoulders and neck. I feel like this crunching of my neck and shoulder muscles, just and like grabbing the steering wheel mm-hmm. and just being too tense to even drive. I have to like pull over because I'm mm-hmm. going to have panic attack. I have to let someone else drive something. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yep. So, and we can anchor that is put a hand like on some place where you feel might be the center of the tension. Where would you put it if you were put it? Probably the back of my neck. Okay. So that'll be your anchor there. Okay. So that's part one that that's identifying the issue. Okay. So the second part is connecting with the soul, the reframe it, but to do a brief soul centering, and that's just kind of breathing and relaxing for a moment, okay? Kind of letting all of that go and just 
coming back to your body in this moment, right, Evie? And as you breathe and relax, you breathe in wonderful, pure, clear breaths through your whole body and waves of relaxation. That's good. If you want, you can close your eyes. And as you, the, your body becomes more and more relaxed in the way that's right for you, you just breathe in energy into your heart, taking in your own energy and breathing it into your heart and exhaling, releasing what you no longer need. Good. And as you breathe in this pure loving breath into your heart and exhaling, centering, releasing what you no longer need, you relax a little more. And as you continue to relax and expand, uh, you sense your heart connecting with your soul. It could be a sense of feeling and knowingness and awareness, could be even a color or image could be that opening, that expansiveness, could be a sound, a symbol, often connected with expansiveness, acceptance, love. And just allow yourself to connect a little more with that. And let me know when you're feeling connected with that, Evie. Yeah, I feel connected to it. Great. And what's that connection like for you? I feel like I had a bad accident and um, that's kind of the root of this. I had an accident where I went over the side of a, a road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you got actually kind of a flashback and some of the uh, kind of backstory of what led up to it, which was, which is very good. What about when you connected there with the, with the soul energy, what was that like for you? The experience of that? Yeah. yeah, as you connect right now with that soul energy, with your heart open, just if you can close your eyes a moment, maybe just connect again. Your heart's open, right? Mm -hmm. And you're feeling more expansive. Yeah. You're feeling more accepting, mm -hmm. loving. Yeah. Knowing that you're connected with everything and everyone. And as you allow that to expand and deepen, what's that like for you? Feels good. I, I feel like I made a mistake, and I. But everybody makes mistakes when they're driving, or you mm -hmm. can have an accident and it's not your fault. Yeah. So you're kind of getting some messages there. Yeah. You're getting some some kind of information or or knowledge from it. Okay. So just take, let's take it one more step. Cause I, I want to kind of go a little further. You're, you're, you're processing this in an interesting way, but very good way. So if you imagine opening an opening above your head and if you, and you now can consciously connect with the whole universe, just allow that to happen in whatever way is right for you. This soulful energy, your higher self is connected with everything and everyone and all the beings and all the universe. Mm -hmm. Yes, it always is. But now you're even more aware of that in this moment. Yes. With its perfect love and healing and balance for you. Yes. And when you begin to feel that a little more, put your right hand on your right knee to anchor to strengthen that connection with everything and everyone in the universe. And tell me when you when you're there, when you are connected and you have your hand on your knee with the anchoring the connection. Okay, I have my hand on my knee. Good, good. What's that connection like for you as you're connecting with everything and everyone? Good. I feel like there's a, um, 
a being from the clouds trying to contact me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds funny. Not really. It sounds pretty, might sound pretty good. Okay. And is the being supporting you, giving you something uh, of value for you, something uplifting for you? Yeah. Giving me a helping hand. So you have helping hands, you have help and support from the higher invisible realms? Yes. All right. Remove your hand from your knee. So we have both anchors. We're almost done with one round of spiritual kinesiology. The, the kinesiology, the muscle testing part, we're not doing now. It's, it's not necessary. It's an add-on. But we're doing the reframing and anchoring with the soul, the main, core part of the healing. So you connect with your soul, with the energy the awareness, the messages, you opened up to the helping hand and the support of the universe, right? And you anchored Mm -hmm. that. So let's go back to both anchors. So left hand on the neck where where the the fear was, right? Right hand on the knee where the connection with the universe was, right? Okay. Breathing now, release the left, uh, release the hand on the neck, the left hand that had the, the issue on it from your neck. Okay. And just kind of hang out there with the universe, the helping hand, just breathe that in for a moment. Okay. And sometimes we let things integrate anything that you're noticing or aware of at this moment. No, not really. Just feeling peaceful. Peaceful. Okay, great. Remove your hand. And now we'll just go back to the original image of driving on that road. Okay, so now when you review it in your mind, what's it like? I feel like I probably could have driven. I didn't have to let someone else drive. Mm-hmm. I think I just needed a couple of minutes to breathe before mm-hmm. I did it. What kind of feeling is there now as you review it? I feel like it was kind of silly that I got so nervous. Okay, and it, silly, so it seems, does it seem kind of neutralized? Does there seem any emotion attached to it at this point? No, I mean, I don't feel embarrassed. I just feel like it was probably not necessary to let my friend drive. I could have driven. Yeah. So just to review, to kind of understand what just happened there, which is, again, kind of an looking at it objectively is a pretty extraordinary experience that we just had a chance. I had the honor to kind of witness or help you provide an environment and listeners. What that means is something that was in your body, that fear, which may have come from past lives or deaths and so forth, which sometimes these things do, that trauma is now something neutralized. You could have, I mean, if you were clear, you could, someone could have said, hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's all silly. You're overreacting. But that doesn't work when you have a trauma. (laughs) You know, hey, yeah. it's just a spider. Yeah, I, I'm afraid of spiders. I hate spiders. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, but, you know, that doesn't work. Just saying logical, sensible things. But, and this is, was the point of the, what I was saying before we, you had an experience. When you experience it, and as ancient texts like Vedic texts say, when you're in a higher consciousness and see the same thing, i.e. the road, it's completely different. Right. What would be formidable if you're back there in a different context from a different vantage point, it's not formidable. It's a small thing. Right. right. And now it's not you just saying it. It's actually you feeling it and being it. That's where the profound change. When I studied hypnotherapy, one of the more profound knowledge uh, that was shared, which people may or may not know, 
I think it's pretty life-changing. I mean, I kind of gone back to realize this is one of the most important things I think I've ever learned. There's only about six or seven ways people change, really fundamentally change their thinking or their orientation. I mean, I guess you can say you evolve to grow to a higher level, but just generally speaking, how do people form their mindsets and what would change their mind? Well, it's authority figures like parents and following, you know, tribal people and so forth, you know, whatever your religion, whatever your guru says, (laughs) uh, whatever your parent says, whatever your party says, et cetera. That's one way. Repetitive, saying things repetitively like they do in commercials. I say the same slogan over and over again. And you, so you just sort of start thinking that way. That's why they do it so much. Uh, But then you have to kind of believe it to a certain extent too, if it's something deeper. I mean, you can't just say like EFT tapping affirmations and not even believe them. Uh, You have to have some kind of belief in them. One of the other ways really profoundly changing is through energy healing and things like hypnotherapy and really changing your energy awareness like we just did. That does change you. And hypnosis was that way. That's how I changed, learned. It changes your unconscious because your unconscious is kind of controlling the show until you shift that. Even if you consciously say, yeah, I shouldn't be afraid of driving on a road. I mean, I know how to drive safely on a road, but that's your conscious mind. Your unconscious mind has all these very strong programming that otherwise that is thinks it's keeping you safe until you go in at that deep level and learn the lesson you know what's it teaching you like we were saying earlier yeah that's it's a helpful exercise um i'll have to remember i can maybe do this again on myself yes yes you can go deeper and you may have to do some follow-up to it there may be some traces and you may want to strengthen it and review it but a lot of times it does it does stick it does stay and there may be other aspects of it too, in some cases that need to be addressed. So who are you working with on the spirit side, do you feel? Oh, you mean like the names of beings or something? Or is it? Yeah. Like who are you channeling? Who are you working with, do you think? Well, uh, recently, uh, kind of some of our newest, our newest course, we've done, uh, since I've been around a while, and I'm with my wife, we, we're actually very prolific. We've written, we, we just actually started to catalog for ourselves all the URLs and we've written over 30 books and courses. Those are the, and that's are not all the blogs and articles and videos. There's hundreds of those, but the newest one, which just was completed as of this time now um, is called uh, Abundant Living with Oracles, Angels, EFT, and more. Abundant Living with Oracles, Angels, EFT, and more. And we started connecting a lot more with angels and oracles, which I know your show goes into a lot. And we kind of took our own approach. So I've been, I haven't been working with one particular being, although my wife has been sort of more connected with Metatron angelically and kind of going into the Akashic records in different dimensions. And I'm just exploring different ones in the moment. So I, I'm using kind of an Oracle deck and angelic Oracle deck, uh, Rodley Valentine's, and he associates the cards with angels. So I'll just kind of connect with that angel and channel that and get messages. So I don't, I haven't identified any one particular being, although there may be them uh, one uh, at this point. So you're doing it more spontaneously, kind of just maybe from one day to the next using the angel cards 
and um, just seeing what you can, you know, what messages you'll get from a right. given. We sometimes do EFT tapping, what's called continuous tapping, the seven EFT tapping points, the core points, the top of the head, the bridge of the eyes, the side of the eyes, under the eye, under the nose, the chin, the collarbone, and the side of under the arm. So you're doing continuous tapping while you could be uh, reflecting on, on an oracle card or connecting with an angel. So does the tapping while you're connecting to an angelic force, does that heighten some sort of healing in you or awareness? It does. And, and I'll show you, and listeners can do it just if, if you'd like to do it now, it's kind of an interesting experience. Yeah. If you're just tapping the EFT points and you just do it continuously, you're tapping the top of the head, like good boy, good girl. You're tapping the eyebrow point, either or both sides, and you're tapping the side of the eyes and you're tapping under the eyes, and you're tapping under the nose, you're tapping the chin lightly five to seven times in all these points, tapping the collarbone point, the ridge of the collarbone, sometimes are slightly tender, under the arm, both or either sides, like you're embracing yourself. And you just keep tapping those points. And the whole idea of EFT is to balance the meridians, where you have too much or too little energy. So whatever you're doing, it puts you more in a state of balance and enhances whatever you're doing. It seems to healing, mm -hmm. awareness, action, rest, creativity. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't even really connect that you could use this in concert with, you know, an entity that's helping you or assisting you. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking it was more just working on yourself alone. Yeah, well, it's something we've just developed more recently. So we're continually kind of innovating and developing these new things. And that's just something we've kind of uh, put together. A lot of things we've learned and developed and created over the years. And sometimes we combine them and, and put two things together or new things. And we've, we've really enjoyed it. It's very easy. It's very effective. It's very enlivening. Are you helping people one-on-one -on -one sometimes? Or are you doing more just group work? We are doing both, uh, Evie. We, we like to work with uh, a few select people. So we still uh, have like a kind of a strategy session. And then if it seems like a good fit, we uh, work with people one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. And we do a lot of group work. We have a year-long coaching and healing with EFT course where we work weekly with people and teach these tools and knowledge. And then we they have practice sessions and we're there to help them like like, like I just did with you, like someone would practice that and as a practitioner and practice client. And not only do they get to practice it, you can imagine, quote, practicing this over time, the transformations, ahas and epiphanies and spiritual growth people receive. I can imagine it's pretty powerful for people, especially if they've never, you know, even tried any of it. Sure, they have big breakthroughs. Yeah, well, if it if, if, they, if they're new, we might work with them. People who join our, our program are either people, they're all guided to it. It's because it's, it's a unique program that you can't find anywhere else, coaching and healing with EFT. And we've done it for 20 years, as, as it turns out. And so some people are kind of new and just very in, interested in coaching and healing, very holistic and helping people. And other people have been 25, 30 years, have 10, 15 certificates and kind of alike. They, if it's the right program, they usually find it one of the best or, or maybe the best program of just transformation um, they've experienced because of these tools together in this particular setting. 
I think what's good about your approach is that you continue to innovate because it is great just to learn EFT, I think, but then to add more to it and expand with it. I, I think that's what's really useful. I mean, you, you gain more insight and you put it to use by letting other people in on it, helping them overcome whatever it is they need to overcome and maybe at a faster rate or, you know, whatever it achieves. That, well said. That, that's right. We're looking for Jane Mountrose, my wife and partner. We look for like kind of the most direct, most easy to apply tools that are effective, that can pinpoint issues to heal and clear and accelerate spiritual growth. So what do you think are some really good things that people could do, little practices people could do from day to day, maybe besides EFT, that um, could help them live a more balanced life, uh, maybe a more living in the moment life where they're, you know, not constantly hung up on things from the past or looking with fear to the future? That's a great question. I think, well, one of the things I just want to review is that continuous tapping is a good thing to do when you're stressed as well as breathing. And you can do it with breathing. You can combine it with things. Uh, another thing I think is just finding out your purpose, which we, which is a main focus of our, our, of our work and our theme and our, uh, what we're here to do to help people. One of our first books, Getting Through to Your Soul, uh, the subtitle was uh, The Four Keys to Living Your Divine Purpose. And this was in 2000, which was now I know life purpose, fortunately, is very well known. But then it was pretty unusual, except it is in, in uh, traditional ancient wisdom, the idea of life purpose and so forth. It's, it's there too, of course. So finding your purpose if you feel you are on purpose, which you really are, if you discover it, gives your life more meaning and depth. So then things make sense. So in other words, if you're saying, okay, you know, you're, you're going to go on a trip to this destination. Oh yeah. You know, here's where I am. Maybe you have a challenge with your, your car or the weather or something. There's a reason to, to get through it. If there's no purpose, things can be very chaotic and overwhelming and dispiriting. Are you doing any life purpose solutions, you know, like dialing into your life purpose through uh, natal charts or anything like that as well? Well, we have a, which we write about and teach. We, we actually have a, one of our coaching courses, one of the four month courses is the, your life purpose, because that's kind of a key, we think, part of human development. And I think a simple way of, of explaining it to people, I, I found this to be very effective. We kind of came across this formula, we call it loosely, a uh, life purpose formula. You can kind of plug into it. And it's simply um, your gifts and talents that you're inspired by, plus how you want to improve the world is your purpose. Shall we fill in yours? <laughs> fill in, I can fill in mine, but it might be, I don't, we can, you know, uh, just, it might be an enlivening thing. So it's not so uh, theoretical. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to do just, I mean, obviously it's more complex and profound than that, but it's a good, very good starting point because it'll give you references. First of all, the things that always make me happy would be creative projects. I would say. You would like doing creative projects, like expressing mm -hmm. yourself through podcasts. Yeah, podcasting is just one effort. Uh, also, I'm a writer. I, I like to do photography nowadays. I like to do art when I can. 
yeah, so many creative things I could think of just off the top of my head. It doesn't mean I'm doing art all day. Obviously I do have a job, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I like creative things. So that motivates me in life. Exactly. So the, so the nice thing about purpose is you're automatically motivated if you, if you start to focus on it. I mean, it's not like, I, how, you know, how do I get it to work? I mean, you love doing it. So we got part one of the, quote, life purpose formula. Part two is you would like the world to become a what better place. If we used a couple adjectives, descriptors, you would like the, I mean, we want the world to become a better place in many, many ways. But what are some key ways you'd like to see the world improve? I would like to see, I would say, dogma breaking down over time, religious dogma or any dogma. And, um, you know, I was raised with a lot of religion. And I feel like, uh-huh. again, that's a motivating force behind this podcast. Is to- right. Convert that. That's a negative, which is, I understand. Let's put it into a positive because it's very hard to pursue a negative. So you'd like to see the world be more unified, more harmonious, more what word is, is, is strong for you? I would say I'd like to elevate consciousness. I'm just kind of drilling it down a little more because I don't know if that, that might motivate you if like what you're doing would make the world more conscious. Maybe it would. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that sounds like it might work for you. I mean, because this is obviously your purpose, so it needs to work for you. That's why I'm just helping you with it. Okay, so just this is a kind of a, a rough sketch of first draft. So here, here it is. It's something like this. I'm here to do creative projects like writing, podcasting, artwork to help the world become more conscious. Sounds good to me. Okay, so with, <laughs> with that in mind, then as you go about your day, if you're doing those things, you're on track, you're on purpose, and you enjoy doing it, you see what, where it's going, and then the pieces and the steps and where it leads to. And that's what we've done for 30 years in the last 20 years in our nonprofit organization, Awakenings Institute. We've helped make the world, our, our mission is a more loving world where everyone's gifts are honored and respected, including nature's. And for me, it's using my coaching and healing and teaching to make the world a more collaborative, loving and creative place. So when I'm doing that, I, hey, you know, I'm on track. I might be lost. I might be confused. I might be, you know, I might have (laughs) missed a step. I might need some support, but, you know, I'm still, that's what I'm here to do, you know. And if I'm doing that, I'm doing a good job. And when, when it's all said and done, last day of this life, fast forward, you look back. And if you more or less follow that, quote, formula, which is part of your soul's plan, your life purpose, I think you're going to be very happy. That's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, thus far, I really don't have any regrets. So. Good. So you're already on track doing that. So which yeah. I'm not surprised given you know, the quality and what you do in your, your, your podcast, which I think is great. Oh, thanks. So your, your latest book is... The Loving Power of Your Soul. Yes. A guidebook for realizing your true potential. I think that came out this year, right? Yes, it's very recent. New. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that is just basically expanding, updating a lot of the stuff that you had already written about, kind of your latest approach on the same techniques, right? Yes. Let me just add to that. So it encapsulates and crystallizes a lot of the things that we've been talking about, the soul centering, Mm -hmm. the energy healing, the shadow work, the clearing, and how to connect with the soul, 
like through soul centering and, and that, uh, that affirmation, things are getting better in every way, every day, just different ways to connect with the soul. Six ways we describe in the new book, The Loving Power of Your Soul. Uh, and the first part, which actually took a little more to write, was kind of the preparation, the interaction of the soul. And the second part is connecting with the soul. And the third part is integrating the soul with the shadow work. And that first part is how the soul interacts with your life here. And uh, in the Gurdjieff, the Gurdjieff had a lot of profound teachings, the Gurdjieff teachings that I studied in that group in the 1990s. One was functions are not consciousness. Functions are not consciousness. What does that mean? Sometimes you hear things and you kind of just sit back and you, you kind of feel maybe goosebumps and something just, and that may or may not be, you know, for you, but that was kind of for me. Like I knew there was something there. I wasn't sure what it was or what it meant and what it means, which we spell out in the book. And the book I think is very clearly written with a lot of case studies and examples is your intelligences, your four intelligences. Some people have a dozen or so physical, mental, emotional, spiritual intelligences is what your, your body, your human being, your humanness is using in this lifetime and your soul can interact with it. And some of it just develops automatically, you know, your physical growth automatically just grows and there's not a lot of consciousness. There's just sort of some automatic built-in development with some of your mental, cognitive and emotional. And, and there's gaps and some people are better than others because of their gifts and talents. So how you use that, especially as you start to awaken and get to that point, some, for some people, it's a midlife crisis or transition. Some people start earlier. Some people just look at it and just go on and don't do much of anything. And that's free will and it's a choice. So as the soul uses that, if you, if you connect with the soul, which is why that soul centering is so important, and you're living with the soul, that will help you clear, heal, and evolve. And use your functions, use the abilities you have in your physical, mental, emotional intelligence and, and develop the, the blind spots and the gaps where needed. So that's part of the loving power of your soul. And we also go into mindfulness and meditation and how that relates to soulfulness too. It sounds pretty comprehensive. Um, I looked at everything that you're, I, well, I read the intro to it and um, it looks like you're, you've got a pretty comprehensive approach to help people. I think so. So thank you very much for giving us a taste of what you're writing about and what you're helping people with. Um, you have so many books. I can't even imagine <laughs> that anybody would have like something unanswered, you know, they can find it in one of your books, at least I'm sure if they have questions even, but it looks like you're putting out some valuable insight for people to not only use techniques like EFT that were developed by someone else, but you're just expanding mm -hmm. on it. And that's what we need is innovators. You know, we always need innovation. Yes, like yourself. Thanks. We can find you on your website. We'll put that in the show notes for this episode. And um, yeah, and I want to give a free gift and make people make sure listeners know about a free gift that they might really enjoy. Sure. From us. We have a free gift, a, a spiritual healing kit, we call it. It's an excerpt from the new book, The Loving Power of Your Soul a holistic EFT tapping video, some spiritual resources. I think people might really enjoy that. So there's this shortened URL, Evie, for people to get the free gift at our website. The shortened URL is tinyurl.com slash 
spiritual-kittinyurl.com slash spiritual-kit. And I think they'll enjoy that. And they also can connect with us at our website, thegettingthrough.org, gettingthru.org, if they want a personal strategy session or uh, a lot. We have a lot of different trainings, as I've discussed, and offerings yeah. and free. Th- okay, wonderful. Feel free to leave questions or comments for this episode at disembodiedpodcast.com.